0: Celebrating female role models across our community, live from Canberra Girls Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Be Like Her Live on CGGS Live. Welcome everyone, live from Canberra Girls Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Be Like Her Live on CGGS Live. My name is Hannah and my co-hosts today are NC, Jesse and Millie. Our special guest today is Georgie Herbert, a philanthropy manager. Hi Georgie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so
1: much for having me. Um, so tell us about the occupation that you have, what do you do? I, As you mentioned, I'm a philanthropy manager, I work with the Ovarian Cancer Research Foundation. Um, it's a pretty new career for me, I before I leapt into this I did... 20 plus years in the sports industry, Um, but uh, my mum passed away from ovarian cancer back in 2017 Um, and so I thought I'd jump ship into the charity sector and work with um, the Ovarian Cancer Research Foundation to raise some money um, to fund research to improve survivability outcomes for ovarian cancer research patients.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned your mum, so how is she – how does she impact what you've been doing so far?
1: Well, I guess yeah, she's absolutely the inspiration for what I'm doing now. Um, she's an alumni of Campbell Girls, as am I, so um, it's quite lovely to be back here, but you know, in these four walls. Um, but no, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2006. Um, it's the most lethal um, gynecological cancer, so yeah. it's a pretty brutal diagnosis, and her chances of survival. Um, were in those at those times only about 46 percent so my sister and I and my dad and even mum when she was well enough got pretty busy doing some fundraising at community level we got out and did fun runs and dinners and things like that um, which led me to become quite connected to the um, staff at the OCRF Um, and then when mum passed away um, I was inspired to kind of kick the fundraising up a gear and I became a cyclist and rode from Adelaide to Melbourne um, to raise some money and uh, at the end of that kind of decided that perhaps I'd want to think about a career in ovarian cancer research, sort of fundraising more formally and uh, over those next few years I got to know the team even more and eventually um, a role came up and I was able to slide into um, the role of philanthropy manager with them.
0: Yeah. So, what have your struggles been um, in this field?
1: Great question. Um, I think coming from such a different background. So I did all of my studies in sport management and I worked in the AFL industry. I worked in the soccer industry. um, I worked with Hockey Australia. um, So all that I knew was all largely in sport. Um, So jumping over into the um, charity sector was definitely a challenge um, to learn how that sector works and um, kind of, I guess, try and work through what my transferable skills were to bring across from the sport industry, but also try to think about, you know, what are the gaps in my skills and what do I need to learn to be able to better um, do the role? So there's been lots of learning over the last sort of 18 months since I've been in the role and um, lots of things that I did do in the sport industry that I can apply to this role. Um, So you mentioned like being in like the sport industry. How long were you in there for? Uh, It would have been a bit over 20 years. So um, I was really lucky when I finished school. I got uh, um, into the Deakin Uni sport management degree. Um, And whilst I was doing that, I had a part-time job at the AFL club, the Melbourne footy club. So I did um, a bit of work in their membership team um, part-time over those years of studying then I moved into a role, um, sort of admin and then some marketing and sponsorship work at Hockey Australia. Um, bit of a highlight, I got to um, go or be part of the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne in 2006. Um as part of the sort of support team. So I got to march in the opening ceremony into the MCG. So, a very cool moment. Um, and I also got to go to the 2008 Olympics at Beijing. So, very, very cool times in hockey. Then I went to soccer um, and had a wonderful four and a half years there. Um, I got to be involved with the startup of the Melbourne Victory Women's Team. So I worked with them across their first five seasons and then I went into the AFL industry and worked with the AFL Players Association. So, um, again, lots of great opportunities to um, meet and work with AFL players and AFLW players once they came into um, into having their own competition a few years ago. So, um, yeah, very, very wonderful 20-plus years um, in that industry. So I was very lucky to have some good times there.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. So back to present day, what would a typical
1: day look like for you? Great question. Um, Because I am mostly looking um, to find, connect with and find quite big donors. So um, really um, high-end philanthropic donors. I spend a lot of my time doing desk research into um, who are the big philanthropists in Australia, what are they doing, what are they funding, um, you know, trying to work out whether they might um, be a good fit with us to fund some of the research that we do. Um, and then trying to meet with them for coffees. So I get to have lots of coffees during my week, which is good fun. Um, we don't have an office, so I work from home um most days with my gorgeous little dog, a corgi called Neville. Um, but we, when I can, I get out and about and um, do have coffee meetings with those people, um, and then work with them on what kind of things they might want to fund in terms of our various research projects. Um, so that's one part of my day. Um, I provide a bit of support to the rest of the marketing team and fundraising team. So we run a handful of. Um, fundraising initiatives over each year. We, we do Froctober, which is a month of getting dressed up in, you know, cool, fun, bright frocks and cool clothes and raising funds. Um, we do a the bike ride that I started um, five years ago. We now do as a formal part of the organisation. So there's the Silver Lining Ride um, and we do a walk called the Walk with Women. So I help the team pull those together and pull the marketing and advertising and promotion together for those. Um, So there's a little bit of that work day to day. Um, And then another part of my job is to um, work with corporate partnerships. So in a similar way to the philanthropy side of things, I do a bit of desk research about who are the big businesses and organisations out there that might want to sponsor us or um, contribute some funding to us. Um, And I try and set up coffee dates with them and um, work with them on what they might be able to fund. So uh, pretty good variety of things to do to keep me busy um and I take my breaks by walking the dog around the block and um because working from home is the new normal now
0: yeah um so it sounds like you've done a lot for your job like obviously there would have been some challenges so what are some of the challenges that you've faced
1: another great question um the big philanthropy um organizations are all pretty um I suppose well established and have some really um, sort of I suppose um, strict funding guidelines around the types of organisations and things that they fund. So it's a it's a bit of a challenge to sift through all of those various organisations and work for work on which ones might be most suited to us, um, and then you know get. Get together enough compelling reasons to have a coffee with me, so um, and talk through what are you know what are the funding opportunities. So I do a lot of work around you know what are the compelling stats and facts around ovarian cancer that might mean people um, feel that we would be a worthy organisation to contribute funding to. So um, lots of lovely um, you know design work to create brochures and things like that that I can share and leave with these kind of people. So um, trying to refine down what, what are the key points and key things that we need to share with them to make those compelling arguments to to fund us is um, is one of the kind of bigger challenges, I suppose. And when you think about all the other amazing charities out there, there are a lot of them um, and they're all doing incredible work. So um, I have the challenge of making sure that the work that we do stands out amongst those because I'm not the only one knocking on their doors, asking for coffees and putting documents in front of them.
0: Um, How long did it take you to
1: plan the bike ride? Oh, the bike ride, that was an epic, epic idea. So um, you guys might know Clint Stanaway. He's um, of Channel 9 news fame. Mm-hmm. He's a very good friend of mine and he was um, pretty close to my mum. Um, we worked together at, back in my early job in at the Melbourne Football Club and we've been friends ever since. And he came to me and said, hey, I've got this idea. Let's ride bikes from Adelaide to Melbourne to raise funds for the OCRF. We'll do it in honour and memory of your mum. And that was in the February after she'd passed away in the January. Um, So we set the target of riding in the November. Um, Biggest hurdle to overcome is that neither of us owned a bike or knew how to ride. Um, So it was – That's what made it a pretty crazy idea. Um, But um, the good people at Giant Bikes Australia um, were very kind and they gave us each a bike on loan and some, you know, the fancy shoes that clip in and a helmet and some lycra. Not my idea of, you know, high fashion but something I've become very used to wearing. And um, we set about, we got giant maps, put them on my kitchen table, you know, drew on them and tried to work out where we might ride um started to talk about it with friends and family and um a few of them said well you can't go without us we will come too um so it went from the two of us and we thought our dad's driving the support car to nine of us um some very close friends um Joined in and we ended up with two, three support cars and a film crew. So we um, filmed the whole thing, um, and we did a, um, a VNR every day back into the Clint's Channel Nine studio. So we got heaps of amazing coverage. Um, we started the whole thing with me doing a live cross on the today show, which is one of the most, um, crazy things I've ever done. First time I think I've ever done television. Um, but we set off and yeah, rode 1,068 kilometers in nine days, um, and raised, uh, about $140,000 I think for a memory. So it was a pretty successful nine day trip, um, But, yeah, it took from that first idea in February right until the morning we flew to Adelaide to ride back to put all the pieces together. Um, Of course, um, Murphy's Law, the uniforms arrived in Adelaide um, the day we arrived in Adelaide. So we're all crossing our fingers that they'd fit. Um, They did. And, um, yeah, so it was right up till the 11th hour that we were organising things. But... um, a super successful trip
0: that was amazing very uh, interesting is there any other funds or volunteering um experiences you have
1: um yeah i suppose before that um it's where it's all started so my very first fundraising um that i did was um to join a fun run i was um had been diagnosed and um I was trying to get a bit fit and trying to do a bit of running and I thought I should challenge myself to enter a run so that gives you a bit of a target and I didn't know that fundraising for charities was a thing with these fun runs I just signed up and at the end it said you know would you like to fundraise for a charity and I thought oh maybe I should do that so I ticked yes and found the ovarian cancer research foundation ticked yes for them as well and um pop something on my Facebook you know I'm doing a fun run anyone want to sponsor me and lo and behold I was the leading fundraiser for the whole of Run Melbourne that year um, because my friends and family got so involved and then um, the following year my sister said you know I'd like to get involved we should do a team and then um, the year after that my dad got involved and he said "Um, let's uh, not just do the run, we'll do a, um, a sportsman's night because my sister and I are both working in the sports industry. So we got a bit of a panel together um, and ran a, a sportsman's night fundraising dinner and I think by that year we were raising about twelve or $13,000 a year and eventually that grew and grew and that plus the ride um, all up of – We've raised over a million dollars now, which is pretty exciting.
0: That's really good. Um, Okay. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on CGGS Live, live from Campbell Girls Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Hannah and my co-hosts today are NC, Jessie and Millie. And our special guest today is Georgie Herbert, a philanthropy manager. So who's been your biggest inspiration?
1: Uh, I think. Probably in the philanthropy side of things, definitely mum, just because, you know, I, th- I suppose if she hadn't had ovarian cancer and we hadn't lost her to ovarian cancer, it, it wouldn't have led me down that path at all. Um, but in my previous um, career in the sports industry, definitely my dad, um, I, I tell this story often when I was little and doing Vic Kick as it was called, it's Oz these days, but I'm old enough that it was only a Victorian sport um when I was a kid and um and Vic kick was your your footy clinics on the weekends for kids. Um I got to a certain age where I wasn't allowed to play anymore and I was pretty disappointed um that girls weren't, you know, allowed to keep playing. So I said that to my dad and um, I think in a moment of probably genius, he said to me, Well, why don't you um, work really hard at school so that you can become the CEO of the VFL or AFL and then you can change the rules and you can make, you know, allow girls to play? Um, and I thought that was a terrific idea. So I don't know when that was, probably I was only about 10 or 11, but it set me on the path to wanting to work in the sport industry and particularly in the AFL industry. Um, So he was really the inspiration on the sports career. Um, As it turned out, I got to work in a a mix of really brilliant sports and my sister followed uh, in my footsteps and she's worked in some other sports. So across the board we've um, covered quite a number of amazing sports and it's brought us great opportunities and great networks and, um, and a really brilliant career. So, and I do love that, you know, kind of, I guess in moving across to the OCRF, um, and working on things like the ride and our walk, um, there's at least a little bit of a crossover and keeping a little bit of my sport um side of me uh involved in in what I do now. So yeah, a bit of bit of dad and a bit of mum. Um probably my bigger biggest influences.
0: Uh, did you face any gender inequalities um during in your
1: career? Uh that is an outstanding question. I I I haven't. I've been really, really lucky, I think, um working in hockey was really interesting because I came in at a time when the um, men's association and the women's association had been separate, but in order to keep receiving government funding, they were required to merge. And the women's team had been far more successful um, than the men. So the women actually brought a lot more in those days, um, early days, to the table than the men's association in terms of their success and I guess, you know, that as a result they'd been really well set up um, structurally. So um, early days, you know, it was very, very equal. It was very focused on equal. Um, I got to work across both both genders Um in in um, at, at national level at Hockey Roos and and Kookaburras, so not there. Um, and then I came into um, soccer and stepped straight into the the period where they were bringing the W League into um, into the. Um, universe and and so again really fortunate to be able to um, be quite senior in leading the partnership between um, Football Federation Victoria and Melbourne Victory to establish the women's team and and um, and really grow the league so um, again lucky to be in a space where I didn't find it face any um, I suppose we've had challenges in that it was new and we're trying to um, build it from scratch but Um, everyone was really behind it, really supportive. Um, and then AFL industry, much the same, you know, early doors, the the women's league hadn't yet been floated my first few years in the AFL industry, but the minute it was the organisation absolutely pounced on engaging the girls, um, getting Daisy Pierce was our first um, AFLW member on the board um, and then it kind of grew from there. So and by the time I left a couple of years ago, um, you know the 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 women were um, very much starting to be well and truly integrated into into everything. So um, yeah, I personally haven't had to face too much of that. I definitely know that um, women have through um, through the sport industry. It is a, a, a challenging one at times for in some spaces for some women. But um, no, I've been very very lucky.
0: Yeah. So. During COVID, did you have, like, was anything impacted during that time?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, I made the move into the ovarian Cancer Research Foundation on a part-time basis initially because the AFL industry was um, pretty significantly hit by COVID, obviously not being able to have crowds. Um, So my hours at the AFL Players Association where I was working got reduced um, and that's when the OCRF rang me and said, if you've lost a few hours, would you like to pick them up um, working with us? So that first year of COVID 2020, I worked six days a week um, because what else was there to do? Um, so I did um, four days, the equivalent of four days a week with the PA and um, and two days a week with the OCRF. Um, so, yeah, that it, I absolutely was um, impacted, but you know, in hindsight for the best because it meant that I got a taste of the new opportunity that was working in the philanthropy field, the charity sector, Um, and it was a really easy transition to move across um, once a full-time role became available. Um, In terms of the actual role I'm doing, um, there's definitely been um, challenges in and around COVID um, for us from a funding perspective. So our biggest um, corporate sponsor is Witchery and they do an incredible um, campaign called the White Shirt Campaign for us each year. And because retail was so significantly impacted, um, the last couple of years they've um, limited the number of white shirts that they've put on sale, which in turn limits the funds that come in for us. Um, Exciting, though, they've promised to start growing it back out again now that we are sort of appear to be a bit out the other side of COVID um, because they're such a wonderful partner. So um, that's terrific for us. Um, But it did, yeah, it did throw up a few challenges over over the last couple of years because it, it put a bit, bit of a dent in our funding, which in turn just means that we can't fund as many scientists in their labs doing their work on ovarian cancer treatments and, and detection.
0: Yeah, so um, with your work as that, um, what kind of impact did you have on others?
1: So the impact that we're really trying to make um, at the OCRF is on survivability for ovarian cancer patients and we can do that in two ways. Um, one is for the women and girls who have already been diagnosed. Um, we can, If we can get some funds into those labs to those scientists that are working on better treatment options, then we can um, in turn roll that out in the clinics um, and improve survivability by um, prolonging women's lives through better treatment. Um, and then early detection. So um, at the moment the only way to actually definitively detect ovarian cancer is through surgery. There's some scans and some blood tests and things like that that can indicate you might have ovarian cancer, um, but they're far from foolproof. So um, unfortunately the symptoms are quite vague. Often women don't, even suspect they have it until it's very, very late when the cancer's quite advanced. So um, the survivability gets worse and worse the more advanced the cancer is. We know, though, if you're lucky and fluke uh, an early diagnosis, which has happened for some women, their chance of surviving is much more than 90%. So our other area of focus with funding is for women um, – sorry, for scientists who are working on an early detection test um, in much the same way that um, we have pap pap smears or um, bowel kits or mammograms for breast cancer. We want the ovarian ovarian cancer version. So we're working super, super hard to raise as much funds as we can to – to channel into that early detection research. Um, and once we have that, we know that we can really skyrocket those survivability statistics.
0: Yeah. Oh, so what qualities or traits helped you to get where you are and how did you develop them?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, well, I th- suppose uh, starting with, you know, back at school, you um, you know, I I was here at Camberwell and we just had so many wonderful opportunities to get involved in so many different things. Um, and I suspect there's even more opportunities now. I certainly wasn't part of any radio stations 22 years ago when I was here. Um, but I think, you know, that laid a really great foundation. Um, I then went to uni and did a, um, commerce arts degree. So lots of, you know, general business skills. Um, I majored in, Uh, sport management. So that gave me the sort of sport background. Um, I've since gone back to study a couple of times, um, and done a, a masters of marketing. And I think that sort of more general marketing backgrounds helping in the current role. Um, and then, um, a few years ago I did a masters of sport management. So, um, just, I guess, refreshing the sport management, skills um so there's that kind of formal study stuff and and the opportunities through learning um but then there's the you know the on the job stuff and um The networks and people that you meet and engage with. Um, I think every everything that you do is a is a learning and growth opportunity, and all the people that you meet, you can learn things from. And um, I'm really really lucky to have now um, an amazing CEO in Lucinda Nolan. She um, is a terrific leader. She's got an incredible um very rich background um in emergency services and now um, with the OCRF and um I think yeah there's lots of lots of those sorts of different areas that have really helped shape me and helped give me the skills and the confidence to do my role. So
0: do you have like any regrets from working experience or anything like that?
1: Oh I don't think I do I think um You know, I I definitely miss the sports industry um, on a lot of levels, but I also really love now that I can just go and watch sport without it being my job. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was super, super fun when it was my job um, because I could, you know, sit and think and analyse all the things that were going on that were relevant to my job, you know, signage scoreboard ads all of those sorts of things player behavior um you know who are the characters that might suit different um sponsor opportunities or whatever it might be in the sport field but um now I just get to go to the footy and and watch and be a fan which is really nice um and then I suppose you know uh, there are definitely moments where I you know I, I have um very emotional moments working now in in the ovarian cancer space. Um, Last week we did a a content day with some of our community ambassadors and they told their really difficult stories of of either having ovarian cancer and, you know, what their prognosis is like or having lost loved ones Mm. and it is a bit of an emotional drain to sit and listen to um, all of those stories when, you know, I've lived that exact same story myself having lost mum um so those days are really really tough in the um in the space i'm working in at the moment but um for every tear that you shed on those days it's uh, I guess also really inspiring to think um that the work we're doing um will have will have an impact on future generations you know we we say um that we're striving for everyone everywhere to be free from the threat of ovarian cancer and um I really, um, I'm really, really lucky to meet the scientists that are being funded by us to do their research and to sit and talk about the progress that they're making um, on early detection and some of the ideas and things that they're working on for better treatments. And, um, and I know that, you know, we will get to that point where we do have that future um, free of the threat. And, um, you know, that's that's what's so inspiring. So on those difficult days you have to steal yourself a bit and, and, um, and you know, soldier on. But um, I know it'll be worth it in the end and I think about, you know, particularly days coming back here to Camberwell and, um, you know, you guys are the next generation that we're working so hard for and, and you know, the daughters that you'll have um, in the future. So uh, it's important work and um, it's really exciting to be part of it.
0: So you work in the ovarian cancer area, right? So like, could you give people who don't know it
1: an explanation of what that exactly is? What ovarian cancer is? Sure. It's the most lethal gynecological cancer. So um, there, ovarian cancer is actually a, an umbrella term for um, there's somewhere in the ballpark, I think. I get it wrong, but thirty odd subtypes of ovarian cancer—they all behave really differently. It's a really tricky, tricky, tricky cancer to understand. Um, so our research, our researchers are very much um, working on understanding it first and foremost, and then working out how to to fix it. So. Most women and, you know, my story with my mum is that she was diagnosed with um, a couple of grapefruit-sized tumours on her ovaries um, and the typical way to treat and deal with that is to um, do a pretty invasive surgery where they remove not only the tumours and your ovaries and your fallopian tubes but your entire reproductive system, um, so your uterus, the works, and... Um, so big, big operation. Mum used to call it the hamburger with a lot operation. Um, and then you start chem- chemotherapy, typically. So every woman's a little bit different, and as I said, there's a number of subtypes of ovarian cancer, but um, those kind of treatments are um, pretty standard across the board, and they're not—they don't necessarily work for everyone. So that's how it's come to be so lethal, um, because we just don't have a really super effective way of dealing with it um, and that's why that that research as I said into the into the treatment side of things is really really important and why it's super important to get it early. Um, if they'd got it early in mum, first and foremost the the uh, tumors probably wouldn't have been the size of a grapefruit um, but secondly it's a lot less spread and a lot easier to contain and, and remove and then um, you were you a much better chance of being um, clear of the disease down the track.
0: Oh, oh! Uh, thank you for talking to us today. I was just wondering, um, how did you find your passion, and could you give us, um, c- give
1: our students some of the advice on future maybe careers? Sure thing. Um, I was a little sport nut at school, so I loved sport. Um, I loved playing every sport, threw myself into every sport, loved watching sport um, you know, dad, dad will tell the story of me getting around, you know, as a really young girl, four or five years old with my little blonde pigtails and my footy jumper on, um, everywhere I went and, um, could name every player under the sun. So, um, being the little f- footy tragic I was, I was just super passionate. And as I talked about before, my dad sort of inspired me to think about a career in in the sport industry and in the AFL industry um so that was that passion um and it was you know I actually I suppose I thought I'd probably work in the sport industry forever I loved it um but mum's diagnosis um with ovarian cancer back in 2006 probably um you know lit the flame for another passion um to develop and the more it was, it was almost addictive if uh, probably the more we raised um, through the different things we were doing, the fun runs and the bike rides and stuff, the more I wanted to do more and raise more. Um, and eventually I suppose it's probably not sustainable to do that on the side and have a full-time career in, in sports. So um, that's what led to that transition across into full-time um, work in the Ovarian Cancer Research Foundation Um but it it probably helped, I guess reignite my sp- sport passion. At, at, you know, because it's allowed me to become a fan again, rather than a an employee. So um, I'm pretty lucky. I, well, I'm very lucky to have um, been able to identify those passions and um, had the support around me and the you know unique. Degrees and the networks of people, and and kind of the ability to find my way into those into careers that support those two passions. But um, so yeah, I guess I, my advice is absolutely um, to really think about what you love, you know, yeah. what what things you love doing, um, and to really dig deep into whether there are careers um, that. Uh, that you know suit them Um, and I've said to lots of people before you know if you're sports mad but you're really really good at accounting well every you know major sporting organization needs some accountants or if you're really really you know clever and fascinated by the law but you're also mad about sport lots of sports now have in-house lawyers and things like that so you don't um, you can kind of be, you can combine a few different things in in different um, different sectors. So um, I think you know, and that's something that my dad's done in his later life. He's an accountant all his life. Um, he's retired now, but the OCRF needed a a treasurer, someone good with numbers, and so I rang dad and put his put his hand up for him (laughs) nominated him and um so he's now on our board which is really exciting so that's a voluntary position that he does um but it's enabled him to sort of i guess um combine his skills um as an accountant with um with his now passion for also supporting the ovarian cancer research foundation in what they do having lost his wife um so Yeah, great opportunities to think about where you can marry up some of your actual skills and abilities with some of your passions and put them together to create a career.
0: Thank you so much. Um, That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much, Georgie Herbert. Um, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you today. We're live from Campbell Girls Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia. And you've been listening to Be Like Her Live on CGGS Live. My name is Hannah and my co-hosts today were NC, Jessie and Millie. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have found the information today useful. Until next time, have a great day. Celebrating female role models across our community. Live from Campbell Girls Grammar School in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on CGGS Live.